Nothing personal word of the day for Tuesday, June 6th, 2023 is stalled. While you were sleeping last night, there were a lot of people from Major League Baseball looking at C-SPAN, watching the end of the legislative session in Las Vegas, waiting for the stadium deal to pass, hoping that it would come to the floor and they'd hear, yay, yay, nay, boo, yay, yay, gavel, pass, yes. Guess what? The gavel came down after midnight Vegas time with nary a vote on the stadium financing bill. That's it, game over. There is no public financing for the Oakland A's to move to Las Vegas. But wait, I'm looking for a gavel. I used to have a gavel right on my desk. I keep moving everything. I don't know where it is, but pretend I had a gavel. I got a gavel when I graduated law school. Someone gave me a gavel, right? As though I was gonna be a judge. Wait, the gavel goes down. There's something called a special session. A special session happens at the end of a state's legislative session when there are bills that have not yet been voted on that really need to be voted on, like budget bills, like capital appropriation bills, like we gotta fix our highway type of bills. The governor meets with the head of the assembly or the speaker of the house, the head of the Senate, and says, we need a special session. A special session is when you get called back into session and you reopen it for the purpose only of specific agreed upon bills. All right, Rob Manford, make a call. We got this. Let's get into the special session. There's been a lot of rumors that if the stadium bill doesn't happen during the regular session, no problem. We'll have it during the special session. Here's the problem. Major League Baseball and John Fisher, the owner of the A's, knew that if the gavel dropped on the regular session, there would be zero chance of hearing the bill during a special session. Why? We tried that. Baseball knows from Florida. We did not in Tallahassee trying to get state money. Our bill died before it even got voted on on the floor. The gavel came down. Special session, budget's not passed. Let's sneak it in there. We can do it. Eh, never happened. The next year, state money. How about it? Nope. Special session. Yes. No. Baseball knew very well that a special session in Nevada was not going to happen for the stadium finance bill. So guess what? In the middle of the night, last night, just a few hours ago, the governor of the state of Nevada announced a special session and guess what bill is not going to be considered? Shocking, the stadium finance bill. It's stalled. I'm just a bill. I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Dun, 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 dun. So here's what's happening. Let's go party by party. Let's start with the Oakland A's. John Fisher, the owner, gets the call from the president and all the lobbyists they hired. Do you know that we never hired lobbyists? We had one group, Poole McKinley, great lobbyists. But I did all the lobbying for state money. I did all the lobbying, lobbying locally. 
I had a register. I met with commissioners, met with people everywhere because I wanted them to hear from me the deal we were looking to get and how important it was to get it and how we were at the end of the road. And short of public financing, short of a public-private partnership deal, the Marlins were not going to make it in Miami, period. No such leverage exists when you are trying to get public money in a place where there is no team yet. The Oakland A's cannot go to the Vegas legislators and say, hey, if you do not pass this bill, then we are leaving your town. You don't have the ultimate leverage because you're not there. So John Fisher and Dave Caval and all the different other lobbyists they have and going around and trying to count votes, clearly they never had the votes. Clearly the reason why the bill never came to a vote is because they didn't get the important people to carry the bill and trade enough chits within the legislative session, which is how these bills get passed. These legislators say, to, all right, I'll vote yes on that, but you got to support me on this. They go back and forth. It's a total negotiating session. And you've got the lobbyists working every side, trying to see if they can make the trades happen, trying to make sure that their bills are satisfied. One of the things about lobbyists that always made me smile, it's sort of like agents who have two outfielders, both right-handed, and there's a team who really wants a right-handed outfielder. Who is the agent telling the team to sign? Because that agent is advocating for one client, not the other. What about an agent in media? I've got two people doing podcasts. They're both the same demographic. They're both really good. You have one opening. I think you should go with this guy, not that guy. Wow, that hurt my feelings. I'm not saying that ever happened because UTA would never do that to me. Would you, Jerry? So you go and you're lobbying and you're doing the trades and you realize at one point that it's gonna be a Hail Mary. So you start preparing. The Oakland days have known not since three in the morning. They've known earlier than that, that their bill was not going to pass. While we sat there in Tallahassee, hoping for the one in a million shot that the bill would get called, that the bill would be heard, that the bill would be voted on. And when not, that we'd be put, included in a special session. We were ready immediately with a comment. I would meet the media and I would say the following if I'm the Oakland A's, which I did as president of the Marlins. Well, we are disappointed that Bill 509 did not get voted on. Our desire and commitment to get a deal done in Las Vegas remains strong. We hope to continue to work together in order to secure a deal to have a baseball team in Las Vegas as soon as practically possible. The reason why you say that if you're the Oakland A's is that you don't wanna give a statement saying, hey, screw you, we're done with you, because you may not be. You don't wanna give a statement that says that it's definitely gonna happen and we're willing to wait because you may not be able to wait for state money. You may need to figure out public financing on the local level, which does not require anything from the state. Very unlikely in the Vegas situation, but still a possibility. But if you're the Oakland A's, you also have to have part of your statement toward Oakland. We better see something in writing that says the following. While we are disappointed that financing was not secured in Las Vegas, we have said from the beginning 
that we have been trying to make a deal to stay in Oakland. It has always been our preference to stay in Oakland. We have been negotiating for years and have spent tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars to make a new stadium a reality in Oakland. I'm hopeful that the mayor will be willing to again engage in a conversation with us as we attempt to do what we know so many people want, and that is for the Oakland A's to stay in Oakland. Leave it at that, but you've gotta say something. That's public. What's going on privately is figuring out what role baseball is going to play. Rob Manford has already been public. He was public saying, if you pass this bill and we had help from MLB and it didn't work for getting state money for the Marlins, but you get MLB to say stuff that they really don't wanna say, they say it with their fingers and toes crossed and they do it on the possibility of getting state funding. What baseball did for Oakland and Vegas is unprecedented. Saying if you pass this bill and there is public money for a stadium for the Oakland A's, we will waive the relocation fee. Why did they say that? There are not 23 owners who agreed to waive the relocation fee to Vegas. That's taking money out of their pockets. I already did the math for you. The fact that we're showing the renderings makes me smile. If you're on nothing personal with David Sampson, we're showing you renderings of a ballpark that never had a chance to be built because the number of acres for the Tropicana site are too small for this stadium, but I digress. The owners are saying, if you waive the relocation fee, we would have expected to get 10 million bucks per team as a relocation fee, and we're gonna save money because the A's are gonna take less in revenue sharing, which means teams that get revenue sharing will get more. Teams that give revenue sharing, in theory, would be able to give less because Oakland will become a more neutral team in Vegas. Waiving a relocation fee only works if the amount of savings is greater than what the amount of the fee would be. And it's very bad precedent to go to a municipality or go to an owner and say, we will let you move without a fee. But Major League Baseball, has to keep Vegas hot. And they have to keep Vegas hot because what they really have always wanted from Vegas is the public financing, which was not team specific, and then an expansion fee. Because the expansion fee is never gonna be waived and that's gonna be a couple bill. And in order to get a couple billion in an expansion fee, you have to have a stadium deal that is publicly financed, at least in part. So baseball's gotta be very careful with its statement because we're gonna have to hear from Rob. If I'm Rob, I have a slightly different approach when I have my statement, the public and the private. The public approach is, we are very thankful to the Nevada legislature for attempting to get this bill passed in such a short period of time. We recognize that there were other very pressing issues that the legislature had to deal with. And we look forward to this bill being heard again at the appropriate time and to its successful passage and to the eventuality of Major League Baseball in the great city of Las Vegas. Done, leave it at that, because that could be the A's or that could be expansion. Then Major League Baseball needs another statement and this one pointed toward Oakland. Rob Manford needs to publicly say, 
regardless of what happened with the stadium bill in Las Vegas. It has always been Major League Baseball and John Fisher's desire to get a deal done in Oakland, and they have worked for a decade on that very goal. I am hopeful that both sides will agree, John Fisher and the city of Oakland will agree that getting a deal together is in both of their best interests. I stand ready to help in any way needed in order to facilitate a deal no later than the end of this year where this stadium saga can finally come to its rightful conclusion with a new beautiful stadium in Oakland, California. Two statements, two parties, baseball and Oakland. That's public. What about privately? What's going on privately? Privately, and I've made this call, calling the mayor of Miami when you've had major disagreements over the public-private financing, when you both tried to get state money side by side while not talking to each other, when the state money doesn't come through, you then have to call the mayor and say, God, we really screwed that pooch. Can you believe those guys? You find a mutuality of failure. It's sort of like when you're in an airport and your flight's delayed for hours and you start talking to strangers and all of a sudden you're being friendly and you're not acting as annoyed when the kid spills his Cracker Jacks all over the floor and is playing games, not on mute, because you're all sort of commiserating in your misery. One of the things that brought a deal and got Marlins Park done was the collective misery we had and how the state failed to participate in the deal. We ended up back at the table figuring out a way to finance a stadium in the city of Miami without the state's help as a screw you to the state and to Marco Rubio specifically. And guess what? We got it done at the last possible minute after all of the delays. So when we have been talking to you about this situation, we have been saying that there is no way Major League Baseball will be able to vote on the A's relocation in the June owners meetings. Don't forget we said that. The, the June owners meetings are coming up in 10 days, under 10 days. Remember when Rob said, we hope to be able to vote on the A's relocation? NGTH, not gonna happen. We've been telling you that the A's moving to Vegas is not a done deal. We've been telling you that the conversations with Oakland are not finished. We've been telling you that whatever efforts are being made to get John Fisher to sell or to guarantee that he's moving and is screwing Oakland, none of it is actually happening. I still believe as strongly as I ever have that a deal will get done to keep the A's in Oakland because that is what's best for baseball and baseball gets what it wants all the time. All of these ups and downs are part of the process. It is an incredible roller coaster, emotional, gut-wrenching, ulcer-inducing. And the fact that you have to deal with public statements and the media and deal with the people you're negotiating with and deal with Major League Baseball, it's enough to make someone five foot five. You've gotta be willing to go through the process and we're still going through the process. So if you're in Oakland and you're listening, trust the process. It will lead to Nick Nurse.
There's another team that's having an issue. Stalled. The Chicago Bears. We've covered that for you NFL fans. There's always stadium issues. And once the Bears are taken care of, the Bills just broke ground. Roger Goodell, Coke, I forgot to tell you this. Roger Goodell called the groundbreaking in Buffalo one of the most meaningful groundbreakings in his tenure. <laughs> it's the most public money ever to go to a, a deal in the NFL history, maybe in all of stadium history, short of Olympics or World Cups. And uh, I don't know why he thinks that's more meaningful than when MetLife broke ground. That seemed pretty meaningful to replace the Meadowlands with a wrecking ball, Bruce. So there's always meaningful stuff going on. I don't like when commissioners speak in platitudes full of recency bias. This is the most meaningful thing I've ever done. This is the most important moment in the history of our game. Give me a break. So the Bears have been trying to cut a deal. The city of Chicago wants them, but they're unwilling to stay at Soldier Field. They don't want to pay for renovations. They want a brand new stadium. They bought the Arlington racetrack and everyone said they're moving to Arlington. They demolished the Arlington racetrack. They're moving to Arlington. Guess what? Remember I told you there's a lot of ground to cover in the Arlington deal? One of the biggest issues when you are building a new ballpark or a new football stadium is who owns it. It is critical that the owner of the team does not own the stadium. Critical. Because when an owner of the team owns the stadium, it's like owning a really big house. And when you own a really big house, you pay a lot of property tax. And when you are doing your financials, you do not want to line in your financials on the expense side of property tax. And the reason you don't is that you're competing with 30 other teams who don't pay property tax. One of the biggest deals in Miami with Joe Robbie Stadium, when Joe Robbie built Joe Robbie Stadium, which became Pro Player, which became Landshark and Dolphin and Dolphins, and now it's Hard Rock, is that there's property tax associated with that building. And that always pissed off the Dolphins ownership and put them in a disadvantage. Arlington came out and said, hey, Chicago Bears, guess what? When you build this stadium on the Arlington race course land, you're paying property tax. And guess what the Bears said? No chance, toilet pants. We're not paying property tax. So when Arlington said you have to pay property tax, guess what you do if you're a professional team? You say, really? I'm gonna go to Naperville. What? Chicago Bears, not coincidentally, when they found out they'd have to pay property tax on a stadium in Arlington, said, we're gonna go and we're gonna talk to Naperville. And they even gave a quote. It's our responsibility to listen to other municipalities in Chicagoland about potential locations that can deliver this transformational opportunity for our fans, our club, and the state of Illinois. Horse hockey. The Chicago Bears are not moving to Naperville. They are using this to get back to the table with the city of Arlington in order to get rid of the property tax or mitigate it to the point that they can handle it. On January 20th of 2023, during a show, I specifically said to you, the Bears are gonna end up moving to Arlington. Am I changing my mind? Absolutely not. This is standard operating procedure. 
When you don't get what you want, you pretend you're gonna get what you want from someone else. The Bears don't own land in Naperville. Naperville is not gonna be serious about doing the type of development that's available right now in Arlington. Forget it. This is a way to get to the table with Arlington and get the property tax issue settled, which they will, because dollars are fungible. The Bears may agree to pay 50 million a year in property tax, but I promise you there'll be another part of the stadium financing which gives them 50 million a year in other benefits that they don't currently have in their deal with Arlington. There are more than two ways to get a deal done. The only thing that stays the same whenever you're negotiating a deal is using leverage to get what you want. So everyone stay calm in Arlington and in Chicago and in Oakland and in Vegas, everything's gonna be okay. I'll tell you what's not gonna be okay. There is one specific, very meaningful thing that's not gonna be okay. LeBron James is not house hunting in Dallas. I mean, not my best transition, Matt, but not terrible. Do you wanna just, do you wanna do a wipe or are you good with that? Okay, all right, I'll come in clean. Four, eight, 69. Tell you what else is going on in terms of leverage. Kyrie Irving, the king of I don't have leverage, is trying to pressure Dallas to trade for LeBron James. In the middle of the NBA Finals, while you're trying to focus on a 1-1 series between Denver and the best player on the planet, Jokic, and the Heat, the best story on the planet, you've got five games at most left in your season, and all of a sudden, we get a leak on an off day that Kyrie Irving has reached out to LeBron James to see if LeBron James would come to Dallas. Hold on, I think I have it. I have it. It just came on my phone. Wait for it, because this is pretty good. I'm almost positive this is how it works, but I, I can't know for sure. But let me just see if I can answer one call, if you don't mind. Hello? Hello? Hey, what's up, Kyrie? Yeah, it's Braun. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm feeling better. I mean, I'm still annoyed that we lost that way. But uh, God, we, we just couldn't stop Jokic. We just did not have enough. We got to get that Reeves guy done, though. Yeah, he was our best. He was our like our second best guy. I love that guy. He's a baller. Yeah, I mean, I'd give him, I'd give him the full 100 if I had to. I don't want to, but I would. But I got to keep him. Yeah, I mean, listen, we made it to the conference finals. Yeah, I'm focused. I got, hold on one second, Kyrie, one second. Yeah, I'll be back on set in a minute. Hold on. One more second, Kyrie. Hey, Bronny, we got to look for places in L.A., because you're going to USC. Yeah. So what else, Kyrie? No. You want me, what? You want me to come to Dallas? Kyrie, I've got, I live in LA. I purposely signed here because all my business is here. And obviously, you know I love LA. Not like Randy Newman style, but well enough. And I'm going to be with Bronny. We're going to play in the NBA together in two years. But next year, we're going to be in the same city, which is going to be amazing. And my team just made it to the conference finals. We're going to get Reeves back and add some players. And I think we got a chance. No, no, I don't want to live in Texas. I know there's no state tax. No, that's cool. No, but I'm good. I'm good, Kyrie. Hey, do you want to be a Laker? I mean, but you'd have to give up money. Would you be willing to do that? I mean, because if you came here, 
you know, we could only give you $200 million, but you know you could get about 270 270 if you re-sign in Dallas. Oh, they're not going to sign you? Oh, that's what you're doing. You're trying to get them to re-sign you by getting me? Forget it. I'm coming, sweetheart. All right, I got to go. All right, Kyrie. All right, we'll talk again. Can you imagine that ridiculous phone call? Kyrie Irving trying to convince LeBron James to come to Dallas? It's absurd. How about a sign and trade that gets Kyrie to LA? Absurd. They don't have the assets. What are they going to get rid of every single role player they have and put out Kyrie Irving with LeBron James? He already surrounded himself with friends and guess how it went? Badly. LeBron knows it's not about friends. It's about getting the most effective players to play together. So there's a couple things going on that you should know. The source of this leak is Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving wants to let it be known that he wants to play with LeBron James, that he'd prefer it to be with Dallas, not. But he says that because he'd like to go speak to Mark Cuban and say, please, would you mind signing me and trading me? to be with LeBron, because if you sign me and trade me, then I can get the full 270, not the 200. If I just walk away and you don't offer to sign me at all, then I gotta hope that the Lakers can fit me in, and then it's I'm gonna miss 75 or 76 million bucks, and I've missed so much for all the suspensions and for the fact that I wouldn't test myself for COVID, I can't afford to miss this amount. But do me a favor, don't talk about it because I'm going to have to do another Instagram video where I'm going to have to ask people not to talk about me and my free agency because when I have something to say, I'll say it. And when I don't want to say something, I'm just going to leak it. This is not me being that down on Kyrie, even though you know I am. And I would tell you he's not a winner, but he has a ring. I would tell you he's a big pain in the neck, but I've never met him. I would tell you that I feel sorry for him, but I don't. But him posting his social media video saying, stop talking about me, stop speculating. When I know what I know, I'll tell you what I know. And then all of a sudden it comes out that he's speaking to LeBron. Where's that coming from? LeBron's housekeeper? Kyrie's child? Mark Cuban? No. You think when Mark Cuban gets approached by Kyrie Irving for a sign and trade to the Lakers, he's gonna say, oh, Kyrie, we love you so. We will do anything for you, but we won't do that. It's absurd. Mark Cuban ready to say he wants to keep Kyrie because he's so embarrassed about the trade at the deadline, which was the most uneven trade of all time. And then the Mavericks stunk afterwards, but he wants to run it back with the team because, oh, they'll get used to playing with each other. But Kyrie gets out there. What about a big three of Luka, LeBron, and Kyrie? That would be unstoppable. It's also impractical. Oh, and by the way, LeBron's retiring. Just kidding. He's not actually retiring. If I'm the NBA, I'm so pissed off right now. I'm so tired of Kyrie Irving. I'm tired of John Morant. I'm tired of the distractions. I want there to be a finals where we're talking about Jokic and Butler and Martin. Well, and, and Butler and Zeller and, well, and Butler and Haslam or Jokic and Murray. Oh, Coca off the schedule. Do I have one more minute to talk about Jamal Murray? Just because Jamal Murray actually lived in the Rosebud Schitt's Creek Hotel. I didn't realize. I thought it was not a real hotel. I thought it was like a movie set or a TV set. Murray in Canada lived in that Rosebud Motel. Do you think like with Stevie? Anyway. All right. Wait to see. When I tell you something's going to happen, 
If it does, great. If it doesn't, great. Either way, we will revisit it, including the wait to sees that I told you about in the beginning of the show, which are not officially done. Ready? This is so easy, but I'm going to take a win when I can. LeBron James is not going to the Mavericks. I can't even. Are you putting that in the document? Are you? Because it's so ridiculous. All right, when we come back. We are going to review a movie that you asked me to watch with Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba called 3,000 Years of Longing. I had not heard of it. You asked me to watch it. I did, and I can't wait to talk about it. And then we're going to talk about something that's going on in basketball. 20 years ago, we talked about how when you're investing millions of dollars in a player, why not invest 30 grand in someone who can help him shoot free throws? That's when there was talk of Orlando Magic and bringing in an extra coach to teach Shaq how to shoot free throws because the hack-a-shack was a thing where if Shaq was in the game at the end, people would just foul Shaq and they'd get the ball back and only give up one point at most because he was so bad. What's going on now with assistant coaches in the NBA is enough to make owners squirm, and believe me, they're not happy about it. We'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. David Sampson, how you doing? We are here every day, live, 8 a.m. I'm trying to sit back and be more casual. You've asked me to do that on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, Coca. But I find that when I sit up, I am more, my brain works better. When I lean back in this glove chair, A, I don't think the microphone can hear me, and B, I feel too casual, and I do feel a little stomach protrusion, which makes me uncomfortable. It's harder to suck it in when you're sitting back. So that makes me uncomfortable. And my feet can't touch the ground because of the chair and the pillows I'm sitting on. So all in all, sitting back is not comfortable. So I'm going back to how I am, at attention. Thank you for watching, for being in the private chat, live chat, for communicating with Coca during the show, for listening to the show and downloading it five days a week. We are always here for you, no matter what, except when we're on vacation, which is not very often. I watch a movie every day. Thank you. Keep them coming. They are coming on David P. Sampson on Twitter. Hit follow. Instagram, I'm getting some DMs as well about movies. And I do keep a list. 3,000 years of longing. I had no idea what it was other than you told me to watch it. That's number one. Number two, Tilda Swinton, The Beach, Idris Elba, the new James Bond. Maybe, maybe not. What's the movie about? It's about a genie. Tilda Swinton is traveling in Turkey. She buys a bottle that she likes. She touches the bottle. She's a little strange, but an amazing actress. I'm talking about the character, not the woman and the actor. And out comes Elba, bigger than Will Smith or Robin Williams. And then you get a movie about the story of the genie and how for thousands of years, he's been looking for love. This is my kind of movie. 
how he's had connections with some of his previous masters, love connections, but it didn't work out and he was not saved. And people's three wishes were not enough to save him and have him be able to have a normal life of love. And Elba goes from this crazy huge person who takes up a whole hotel room to just a big person whom I guess is they filmed standing on a stool in his scenes with Tilda Swinton. So the story goes back thousands of years and then proceeds up to the present. And the question is, did the genie find love after 3000 years of longing? It sounds sappy, it's not. It sounds boring, it's not. Well acted, well written, amazing production design and special effects that you don't think are special effects. You actually believe the genie is the size of the genie. And you're watching it and you're saying, what would my three wishes be? Because whenever you have three wishes, it tends to not work out. And you can't say I wish for three more wishes. There's been movies made about genies and wishes and Bruce Almighty is about wishes without genies because he's God. Do you ever think about what your three wishes would be? It got me thinking, I'm not willing to release my three wishes right now because I'm still calling the list, but I am willing to do it one of these days, maybe on a mailbag episode, Coca. I will give what my three wishes would be if I found a genie in a bazaar somewhere. But if you've got 3000 years of longing, if you feel you know what that's like, watch the movie, well worth it. Okay, NBA talk. The coaching carousel goes round and round. Wait a minute, that's totally wrong. That's the circus music. What's, God dang it, dang it, damn it. What's the music for musical chairs, Matt? You know when uh, the game where they have five chairs and six people and you walk around in a circle and you hear dun 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 And then everyone sits down and one person doesn't make it. And then that person's out. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? The coaching carousel is like a game of musical chairs. Nick Nurse, goodbye, Toronto. Hello, Philadelphia. Frank Vogel, see you later, LA. Gonna sit out, but I'll get a new job. Hello, Phoenix. Monty Williams, goodbye, Phoenix. Hello, Detroit. Mike Budenholzer, goodbye, Milwaukee. Hello, sunshine. That's code for he doesn't have a job, so he's sitting in the sun. Doc Rivers, goodbye, Philly. Hello, Toronto, or maybe nothing, or maybe I need to win a game seven to get another job. So Frank Vogel's back, got to deal with Matt Ishbia, and I got to tell you how funny new owners are. Matt Ishbia sits with Frank Vogel, pays him a lot of money, and says, listen, tell me, just tell me, what do you need? Whatever you need. Do you want Apple $3,500 glasses, the new glasses that were announced? We'll buy one for every player. We'll buy one for you. You can wear it while you coach. You want TVs? You want better planes, better food, better hotels? You want a better suite? Whatever you want, I got you. I'm a new owner, I'm loaded, and I hate Dan Gilbert. And boy, we gotta win. Frank Vogel says, I know what I want. I want my friend David Fisdale. David Fisdale was the former coach. Remember him, Fitzdale? Is it Fisdale or Fitzdale? Is there a T in that name? Or is it just Fizdale, Coca? Remember, he was the former head coach, Fizdale. Decent. 
Do you know that he's going to be an assistant coach now with Frank Vogel? Do you know that the Phoenix Suns retained an assistant coach named Kevin Young and gave him $2 million a year? The pay scale for assistant coaches is out of control now. Matt Ishbia has done the equivalent of what Jimmy Haslam did with Deshaun Watson. He screwed it up for everybody going forward. There's certain things you do because everybody else does it. Call it collusion, call whatever you want. They're not in a union, so it ain't collusion. But at some point, you got to control your coaching expenses. As it is, the team photo has more people in a tie. They don't wear ties anymore. 12, 6, 9. As it is, the team photo has more people in polo shirts than they do in uniforms. There's a coach for everything. There's two rows of coaches. There's coaches sitting with the worst seats in the house trying to watch the game. And that's not even the coaches who are in the locker room behind the scenes who don't even get to sit in the second row. Oh, but you're a first row assistant coach. Ishbia said, I will spare no expense. So he signs Kevin Young, makes him the highest paid assistant. The impact that will have on all teams is that the top assistants for all teams will now want what Kevin Young got. You think David Fisdale comes to the Suns and says, listen, I'm a former head coach. You're telling me that I'm not getting $2 million a year? I love you, Frank. I love you, man. But I want $2 million a year. Sam Cassell just got hired by Joe Mazzulla by the Boston Celtics. We haven't seen his deal. Why the hell wouldn't he make $2 million a year? Because he was out of a job with the Sixers? No. Former player. By the way, side note, and I think I've told you this, I hate Sam Cassell. Not as a person, I don't know him at all. I've met him twice, but I don't know him, not even an acquaintance. The three-point shot that he hit in game three of the 1994 NBA Finals after the Knicks had stolen one in Houston and Houston got it right back in game three. It's the equivalent of Denver winning game three tomorrow night in Miami, which completely takes away the fact that Miami won game two in Denver. You're totally despondent. And Sam Cassell's three toward the end of that game was the death blow in that game. And I've never forgotten it. And it's not that long ago. I mean, it's only 29 years ago. You don't think Sam Cassell wants the same two million? This is an issue. Adam Silver picks up the phone and deals with this. Remember, when we screwed up the pay structure of coaches, we did it under the table. When we gave Barry Bonds that extra money, we, it was a side deal. That was never public. That never made other coaches get paid more for any other team. According to other teams in MLB, Bonds was making what other hitting coaches were making. When you have a public pronouncement of giving an assistant coach in any sport a number that is higher than a number that's ever been given, you've opened Pandora's box. Adam Silver's got to call. He's got to call Ishby and say, listen, don't Steve Cone us. Don't you do that. And you know what Ishbia says back? Hey, Adam, do me a favor. Shut your trapper. And here's why. The amount of money that I just paid for a team that you had to sell because the previous owner was a racist, bigot, misogynist that just increased the value of all your other teams. Do me a favor and step to the left. 
will I go ahead and try to at least win a title and do what I can to make it worthwhile to spend the money I've spent on the team. So if any owners are upset that they have to pay an assistant coach an extra million bucks, their team just went up by an extra 100 million because of me. Click. That's the problem with the valuations of teams, with teams trading at this number, is owners are coming in Steve Cohn style saying, hey, talk to the hand because the ears ain't listening. I don't need to hear you, any commissioner or any other owner, tell me that you want me to act differently. I will act however I want because I've helped you all, every last one of you. And who are the beneficiaries? You bet your bippy. It's a bunch of employees who are being paid way more than they ever dreamt. $2 million for an assistant coach? I mean, can you imagine spending $250 million on your team, but not wanting to spend an extra hundred grand or a million dollars on a good coach, a good hitting coach, a good pitching coach, or bring in an extra utility guy or add at the deadline? At some point, you've got to reinvest. You've got to double down. I wonder if that's what the Padres are going to do, even though I told you I think they should be selling. We had a game and nothing personal pick of the day yesterday of the Padres and the Cubs. Two teams struggling, two teams that should be selling at the deadline, two teams who didn't dream that they'd have to sell at the deadline. And the Padres have a Juan Soto problem. Juan Soto was asked about the Padres offense and he said, hey, don't look at me. I'm the wrong guy to ask. Assuming nothing got lost in translation, Bill Murray style, when a player says that, that's the sign of something bubbling under Ghostbusters 2 style. And if there's stuff bubbling in a clubhouse or bubbling in a team, that team is not going to perform. And the Padres are not performing. Now, yesterday they performed, guess what? They won. That makes us a winner. The Panthers over the Golden Knights what a great pick by me. The Panthers were plus 115. They went into Vegas and they won seven to two. They had an amazing performance. They got out to a four nothing lead, ended up winning the game seven two, tying the series, heading back to sunrise with a best of five with home ice advantage. Way to go, Florida. <sighs> yeah, that didn't happen. Panthers lose. We're 85 and 88. I wonder if the Panthers think that they've done well enough by winning the Eastern Conference and being down 2 nothing. Guess what? The Panthers were down 3-1 to the Boston Bruins and won three straight. The Panthers have not lost at home yet. And you know the Pat Riley rule, the series doesn't start till someone loses at home. The Stanley Cup has a long way to go, but boy, Vegas looks better. And as for pulling the goalie, which is what the Panthers did, I like that. Give him some rest. He gave up four goals. Give him rest, no problem. Get ready to get back to sunrise whenever the next game is, which my guess is, is tomorrow night. No, the finals are tomorrow night, so the next game is probably not till Thursday. There's no way they're going to do Stanley Cup and NBA together, and the NBA finals is tomorrow. So I'm guessing, Coca, that game three of the Stanley Cup is going to be Thursday. Get the goalie a little rest. It's been a hell of a run that Stanley Cup series is not over. So we're 85 and 88 with going one and one. I got a game for you today. Cleveland, are you okay? The Guardians have been so bad. That whole division is rough. 
The Guardians just designated for assignment a player who was pitching really well for them in years past, a guy named Zach Plezak, who ended up regressing significantly to the point where he's off the team. We've done a lot of segments on Justin Bieber, otherwise known as Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber is a $10 million player who has a year left until free agency. He is anybody's top target who's looking for pitching New York, anybody's top target at the trade deadline because the Guardians are smart. However bad they're playing this year, they're a team that knows what they're doing. Shane Bieber is going to be traded by the Guardians by this deadline because the Guardians cannot make the playoffs this year. No chance. Bieber is a free agent after next season, which means he's more valuable at this deadline than next deadline. And the Guardians are not in position where they're in a better chance to win next year than they were this year. It didn't happen. Therefore, retool, get assets back for Shane Bieber, save 5 million bucks, which is half his salary, by trading him and having him spend July, August, September on another team. Don't wait for July 31st. Find a team who's willing to act quickly. Find a team who's willing to give a lot because starting pitching is at such a premium. Bieber is pitching against the Red Sox today. Bieber's minus 120 against the Red Sox. And my view of this game is that there will be a heavy number of scouts in the scout section right behind the plate. Total eyewash, by the way. Everyone knows what Shane Bieber can do. You don't need to go to the game to scout it. But the reason why there'll be so many scouts there is Bieber is going to pitch tonight. And then these scouts go back to their assistant GMs who go to their GMs and they say, all right, if we're adding, this is the guy, let's identify it. Let's engage with the Guardians and get a deal done before our competitors do. The Guardians are sitting pretty with an asset that they're going to maximize. And Bieber winning tonight, it's a hell of a start. So we're gonna take the Guardians over the Red Sox as our nothing personal pick of the day. The Guardians are one example of many, but merely one of the better examples, Tampa Bay Rays number one in baseball. They look at players, they look at standings, they look at their own delusions, and they look right into the camera and say, it's just business. Goodbye, Shane. This is nothing personal. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.